This is M.I.P. With Masamela Matfumal. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a former president of the National Medical Association. And he is the founder of the African-American Wellness Project. And he is announcing a nationally syndicated public service announcement campaign. He's going to tell us all about it. Dr. Michael Lenore joins us from Oakland, y'all. Hey, brother, how you doing? I'm good, Reverend. Mark, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's the family? How's everybody in COVID and everything? Everybody healthy? Everybody's healthy, staying in place. You know, my, it's just the wife and I now. So well, I've learned a lot about her. I didn't know in 34 years about being sheltered in place the last four or five months. So uh, but we're, we're good, man. We're good. How about your family? We're good, too, man. Listen, this has been a test of a whole lot of marriages and relationships. <laughs> Said, I don't think I'm gonna be able to last through this one, brother. I think I capitulated around August. So <laughs> right now. Went on ahead and gave in. I know that's right. Right, right. Yo. So tell us, tell us about the, the PSA campaign. All right. Well, you know, um, I said we started the African American Wellness Project about 20 years ago here in the Oakland, San Francisco area. Uh, and I hate to say that, but it started out of a, out of a rage that I, as a black doctor, felt about the care that black people get. Right. When people start throwing around terms, they throw around two terms. They throw around health disparities, and they turn around health care disparities. And health disparities are things that we have because of uh, lifestyle, sometimes social determinants, hypertension, diabetes, things like that, that, that disproportionately impact us. But health care disparities is how we're treated in the health care system. And I felt, as a doctor, both seeing patients and listening to my colleagues, that African Americans were not getting the kind of care that they needed, uh, and that they and that the, they were not getting the kind of care that they deserved. And so, consequently, we started this project to help African Americans better negotiate the healthcare system, uh, and to deal with some of the inequities and some of the unconscious bias that leads to poor outcomes for African Americans. Yeah. Uh, so we started to look at the tools that. Uh, what was needed, and and what we, what we found, uh, and what I found consistently, is that many times when we enter the healthcare system, we really don't have enough information about what we have, and we wait too long and too late and sit around uh, until it's uh, you know it's uh, uh, it's far, maybe far advanced. I mean, I'm supposed to get my physical like the first of December, but I don't want no bad news during Christmas. Right. You know, so I'm gonna wait. That then I got to get through the NCAA playoffs, so it might be March by the time I go to get my physical. I'm being a bit facetious, but not too much. And so, consequently, knowing what you need and then knowing what kind of care to expect. Mm-hmm. And so, the vehicle I, that we've always chosen was the media. I was a medical editor for, for a black radio station for a few years, I was a medical editor for CBS radio here in San Francisco in the Bay Area for 15 years. And for Pacifica Radio for another 10. And what I found out is that by communicating with people where they get their information uh, is the best way for us to make a, a meaningful uh, change in people's behavior 
uh, and, and the way in which they um, deal with the healthcare system. We do other things like we have seminars and symposiums on crossing the digital divide in health. We teach people how to select a doctor. We talk about advocates. But most of the time, what we try to do is to keep up with the latest information on the health of black people uh, and to give it to them where they get information. Right. Uh, we did a survey about three or four years ago and we asked, where do you get, uh, we asked over 750 African Americans, where do you get your health information? And they expect to get it from the doctor. Now, now as a doctor, I barely have time to tell you what you have right in front of me, much less to talk to you about early detection, disease prevention, and other things. So what we've tried to do through the years is to keep a message in the African American community, not only about disease, but about taking steps uh, to deal with the healthcare system. And that's kind of the long way about how we got started and why we do what we do. Yeah, no, that's, that's very important. Um, and it even, frankly, begins, part of it is when we go to the doctor, you know, whether we are giving the care and attention um, that white patients get. I mean, that's been documented. You know, we go to see some doctors. If the doctor isn't one of our own, um, are we heard? Are we listened to? You know, I, I wouldn't see a doctor once. I wasn't feeling well, man. Doctor tried to tell me it was just all in my head. You know, and it was a way to be dismissive because I was black. But we still face those kinds of disparities, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to the point where I say that we could solve this problem, Brother Mark, if we got as mad about health care that's poor in quality and unequal as we're doing so in cuts in front of us in the safety line, we wouldn't have this problem. Mm. Well, we are too docile sometimes when we enter the healthcare system. And perhaps it's because we're anxious about what we have or what we don't have. Uh, and we don't, uh, we accept, uh, accept unequal treatment. Yeah. Uh, I often believe, I sincerely believe that every family should have an advocate. Now, don't let it be your brother because he don't know more, know more about the healthcare system than you do. But get someone who knows the healthcare system. And if you are confused or you have a chronic disease, you don't understand or you go in the hospital, you need to have an advocate, someone who knows health can talk to these doctors and nurses one-on-one. -on -one. And when you see instinctively that you're not getting the kind of attention you need or the kind of care you need, you need to speak up. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very important. So the PSAs, now these are timely. These are going to be running on radio stations. We'll, we'll have some here, have them here for you all to hear as well. A couple of them deal with flukes. A couple of them deal with vaccinations. So you know the hot topic now. Right, absolutely. Should black people take this? Well, let's start with the flu. Right. Now, obviously, you're a doctor. You're not an anti-vaxxer. But, but talk to people. A lot of our people, man, I was just talking to somebody today, are nervous about taking these vaccines. Right. I, I think that, they, that black, black people have a justifiable paranoia about vaccines. Uh, I think and most of what we've seen, uh, there's always a cultural lag. 20 years later, we start to see stuff about Tuskegee, and we don't see any other options. Uh, and uh, there's no question about the reality of the fact that we've been used as guinea pigs for a lot of reasons. I think right now, though, uh, the uh, vaccine system is somewhat very, very different in the sense that research has to be calibrated uh, on a number of different parameters before any drug uh, is released to the public. So there's a much better system of giving people vaccines that are safe. 
uh, and effective. However, we have done uh, a number of projects. I was chair of the National Medical Association's Project Impact. We don't have enough African Americans in clinical trials to say clearly that these um, these vaccines or these drugs are safe and effective for Black people. Uh, but we do know that the rig- there's a very there's a very generous rigor before anything is released to the public. Now let's talk about regular vaccines and why we chose the topics that we did choose. Regular vaccines have been around for 50 years, smallpox, let's say, for 50 years. Uh, yet the last case of smallpox was diagnosed in Africa this year. So even though we've had an effective vaccine against smallpox, it still existed as a disease across the world until this year. Mm. If we look at the rates of immunizations in this country for measles and mumps, rubella and the like, there are 14 different immunizations. African-Americans are immunized far less. And when do we have breakouts, as we often do, with measles and mumps, pertussis and the like, we're usually right in the middle of those breakouts because we, we have such lower rates of vaccination. Now, the reason we can get away with that is because everybody else around us is vaccinated. Uh, and so if everybody else is around us is vaccinated, then we have a, we're in a much better shape. If we don't get vaccinated, we're not likely to encounter the disease. And so that's what they call herd immunity. But you almost have to have 80% vaccination to get herd immunity. So now let's look at where we are now with the coronavirus epidemic. It's always been important to get the flu shot. If you look at the number of people who die from the flu, certainly it's, it's, it's well into the 50, 60,000. And it's disproportionately black because we're less likely to get the flu shot. Uh, and so consequently, that's always been a struggle for us. And for me as a pediatrician, me as an allergist, uh, I've really been, and me as a communicator, I have been really working uh, with the community to get the trust to be vetted so that when I say something about it, they at least, people at least think about it. And, but I mean, I have a very small reach. There were a lot of, a lot of health resources talking about that across the country. All right, so let's just talk about the flu. All right, so clearly we're dying. Those people that do die of the flu are disproportionately black. All right, now we have the coronavirus epidemic, whose symptoms as they present are very similar to the flu. So if you come to me and say, I got this, that, and the other, I don't know whether you've got flu or whether you've got the coronavirus. And, and being able to make that distinction is critical for your morbidity, I mean, how sick you are, and your mortality, whether you live or not. And so consequently, getting the flu shot at least eliminates from the mix the possibility that this is flu and these symptoms are real. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the coronavirus and why we're doing this. I believe that, that African Americans have the right to make a decision about a vaccine any way they want. I, I just hope that they have the most meaningful information. The difference between this particular pandemic is that if you do not get a vaccine for the coronavirus, you are not likely to encounter it as much because other people will be vaccinated. But you're just at risk, same risk for morbidity and mortality as you would be uh, if you did, if you, if you did, as if you didn't get the vaccine as you are right now. I mean, so you can't go to the jazz concert, the Stone Soul picnic, you can't go to the basketball game, the football game, or any place where people gather because there are going to be some people there just like you who are not vaccinated who then have 
coronavirus, and you're just and you're likely to get it in one of those venues. And the only thing that's changed is that you got it may have taken you longer to get it. Once you get it, you you know most people don't have a big problem with it, but many people have ventilator bound, and many people three thousand a day now dying, over hundred thousand in intensive care units, over 14 million people infected. And so, consequently, this is different. This is just different. You've been able to go around with any kind of theory you want, and you're entitled to that. I'm, I'm, I'm a person who believes that you should make your own decisions about your own health, and I don't be hypocritical here. But you've gotten away with not getting measles, mumps, rubella, and the tra- traditional vaccine because everybody else is vaccinated. But that's not true with the coronavirus. More MIP after this message. Dr. Lenore, that, that's interesting. So, you it, folks, we just heard the definition of herd immunity, the real definition from a clinician, not the definition that Donald Trump uses, which is not <laughs> he what he says is not clinical. He don't know well, he is clinical, but his definition is not clinical at all. Well, he wants to kill off the weak. Uh, the weak and the strong survive. Yeah, and right. That's his philosophy. That's, that's really not that's really not herd immunity concept. Right. So that's interesting. So when 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 others have you made some good points. I just want to recap when when others have vaccinations, um, then some in some ways, those of us who don't have those vaccinations are protected. But when it comes to the flu, because of the similarities between the flu and covid, you're recommending that people get the flu shot um, so that at least you can rule out the flu and there's no mystery about whether you had the flu or COVID. It's and, and it sounds like too you're making the case. Um which is courageous because a lot of folk are pushing back. I mean to to be honest, I mean there even some white folk who are worried because they feel like this this vaccine was created real quick. We don't know. Um there's some doctors, the doctor on television the other day, he was saying the patients and anyone who would listen, take the vaccine but wait a few months. Um, to make sure that others don't have side effects. I don't know. But it sounds like you're saying African-Americans in particular should go ahead and take the COVID vaccine. I'm saying a little bit differently. I'm saying that you, I'm just trying to, what I'm trying to do is to add to your collective knowledge that you use in your decision making. Uh, My feeling is that uh, I know these scientists and we have several different Credible African American organizations, Morehouse School of Medicine, the National Medical Association, who are looking at the same research data and will make their recommendations based on that to the African American community. Uh, and so, consequently, uh, it's almost like a reverse of Tuskegee in many ways. But let's let's separate out the COVID vaccine from just vaccines in general. You've got people around the country giving all giving information, which is fundamentally false. That seems to be uh, kind of the rule this year, these, these days rather than the exception. Uh, and so what ends up happening is they, they go to our communities, they, they talk about vaccines being terrible, uh, and so we don't get vaccinated. And then when these pandemics come, I mean, the ones that we're dealing with uh, on a usual basis, like measles and mumps, polio and the like, we're less vaccinated. I'm saying that with this one, I don't think that that's a bad position to take. You shouldn't be the first one. Like, I'm going to get me some dry ice. I'm going to be right down at the airport when that vaccine comes in because I, I, 
recognize that good scientists have put this together and good scientists have looked at the data. And we'll hear some things coming about uh, pretty soon. We've already seen uh, this issue about allergy in a couple of patients in England where they started with the vaccine. But as an allergist, I can tell you, uh, allergy is a very specific problem. If you have anaphylaxis to a drug or a peanut, you may not have anaphylaxis to anything else. But I think it's worth noting that the study eliminated those people who were highly allergic. So the recommendation will be if you're highly allergic, be careful. I don't see any reason not to be the first person there. I'm just saying that eventually you're going to have to make a meaningful decision about the vaccine, get as much information as you can, get as much experience as you can, talk to and listen to vetted people uh, in the African-American community. And that's, and that's what we're trying to be. My approach with these PSAs is a little bit subtler. I have to try to slip something in often between Drake and Future and that people will listen to and not turn the station. So that my theme is I have to, what I'm doing has to be with the cadence of the people I'm trying to communicate with the vehicle I'm trying to use, and which is mostly traditional radio and TV right now. So that we pick the topics that I think impact African Americans the most, certainly the issue of vaccines, but we picked asthma and we picked prostate cancer because I had prostate cancer this year. Uh, before anybody starts you know, going to Costco, get me a casket. I had a small lesion. It was diagnosed early. It was treated effectively, uh, and I'm fine. But in that process of doing it, uh, I waited. I could. I waited a long time. Uh, fortunately, it didn't cost me. But I want African American men to understand prostate cancer. And once you understand it, uh, we also have a podcast at BlackDoctors.speak, and I share my own experience of going to the doctor, getting the diagnosis being presented with all this confusing information. And so I thought prostate cancer would be good to point out, and also asthma. And we don't intend to educate. We just want to plant the seed that maybe there's something you can do differently if you're sitting around with a particular uh, problem or if you're sitting there trying to make some sense out of this whole vaccine thing. Maybe what we do in those 29 seconds is to get you to think a little bit about it. And, and make some more informed decisions. Um, I want to try this just to give the audience a, a bit of a tease. Uh, folks, I want to play one of these PSAs. Let me see if I get one of these to play. Let's just try this one. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Nolan, your health tip of the day from the African-American Wellness Project. Infections like polio, smallpox, and measles used to be as common as coronaviruses today. But now we have life-saving vaccines for those and other diseases. Sadly, too many children still go unvaccinated. Choosing to delay or refuse vaccine puts your child and other children at serious risk. So talk to your child's doctor today about vaccines. And for more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. All right, very good. So that's giving you something to think about, folks. Uh, but on that score, as an African-American physician, former president of the NMA, founded the African-American Wellness Project, do, do you because I know you're looking at it in terms of this new COVID vaccine. Right. Um, and Dr. Fauci is, is now saying CNN has a big story. He's marketing directly to African-Americans, Dr. Fauci, by pointing out that one of the developers of the vaccine um, was Dr. Kizzy Corbin, an African-American woman. Some people have seen her uh, in photographs and news. OK, um, as you've looked at it, as much as you've been able to glean from the process, 
Um, are you comfortable with the way this has unfolded and the way the vaccine has been developed? I, I'm comfortable because you have to measure this versus benefit. Uh, in the sense that I think that the same parameters that were used to, to, um, to measure other medications and other drugs and other vaccines were used here. Here's, here's been the problem. Usually this process takes longer because it's, it's a longer bureaucratic process, not because it's a longer research process or process in developing vaccines. It usually the FDA takes months to get back to you about your data. They get asked these questions. The average drug takes maybe two, three years to come to fruition because of the administrative pieces, not because of the fact that they were developed in a hasty fashion. The studies, uh, the many, many clinical studies that are well designed, it's all that paperwork that goes between uh, discovering a, a drug or a vaccine testing it and getting it through the process. So you take about a third of that time has been eliminated because of the urgency of the situation. I don't believe that the people that I trust who are looking at this vaccine would allow a vaccine to get out in the general public where, where the data suggests that it would be a major threat. Uh, however, there is always a risk of anything. But I can certainly tell you looking at this data, 3,000, People dead, 100,000 people in the ICU, a virus that's going to be waiting for you outside every day for the next 35 years, I think you've got to make a decision. And yeah. What is the risk versus the benefit? Now, maybe the, mid, maybe the mid position is wait a few months and make sure that the first wave of people who get this vaccination don't get sick. I think those of us who trust the system will be guinea pigs and will be uh, messages to you in your communities, uh, because I'm going to probably be an early person. But, but to, to, to go back and listen to PSAs, they are not judgmental. They are not demanding. They are just giving you some information to put it in the catalog of things that you use to make meaningful decisions about your health and the health of your family. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the PSA is on point. And, and we need, one cannot be hampered by having more information. As Dr. Lenoa said earlier, people, you have a right to make your decision, but you also to make a, the most informed decision that you can. That's the point. Um, you mentioned the dearth, the lack of African-Americans in some of these clinical trials. Now, when there was the first conversation about the COVID vaccines, uh, there was a lot of debate about whether African-Americans should even participate in those types of things. For a lot of the reasons we discussed, the, um, you know, the, the fear, the paranoia, which is not unfounded um, at all. But when it comes to these types of trials, um, I guess you would say, too, we should make in, informed decisions, correct? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, but I think when people get into a trial, what they often don't understand is that in, in most of these trials, especially those where you have life-threatening situations, it's not that you don't get any drug. You usually get the drugs you're using or the new, new medications. But I think that most of these trials have to have what you call an IRB. That means they have to, there's a group of people who looked at the quality and ethics of the drug. And it's usually been through three or four stages. It's developed, it's tried in animals, and it's you know, tried in, in very sick people. Then the trial starts. So it's not that you get a drug and you just start throwing it into a trial. By the time it's tried on people, 
that's been through three or four different steps to get to the point where you think or, or, or you feel it's acceptable to try on human beings. I think the other piece you have to remember that there are still drugs that get out there and then all of a sudden you look up and find that a lot of people are having problems with them that were not anticipated by the study. So I'm not saying that this is risk-free. I'm simply saying that there's several levels before they invite you into a clinical trial. The thing that I have objections to in many instances is so often that we're studied more than we're treated. I mean, in some communities, we get all these drugs and we get all of this, you know, people measure your blood pressure, pick you up and take you, take you for a meal, and then bring you back. And then when the study is over, they leave the community and they leave no resources and they change no policy. Right. And they don't explain the results to the communities. But I do think that these clinical trials are much better controlled now. Uh, and I, having done studies, and I'm carrying a little bit long on this answer, but having done studies on race, race-based studies on uh, drugs for asthma, which is my specialty, uh, African-Americans do respond differently to certain drugs. Uh, African-Americans have different lung functions, and there's a whole lot of differences that need to be taken into consideration before uh, we, we are releasing these drugs more MIP after this message. Folks, we invite you to go to aawellnessproject.org um, and it's aawellnessproject.org to find out more. Now, um, listen out on your, your favorite radio stations as you heard it here um, for some of these PSAs. You're going to be putting this on, on black radio stations around the mm -hmm. world. Take a break. Mm -hmm. We're definitely focusing. It's going to 2,200 TV stations and 10,000 radio stations. And it came out of a relationship that I had when I had a syndication uh, many years ago in cities that had large African American populations. They are giving us uh, about 50 to $75,000 worth of uh, distribution resources. Uh, and so, consequently, we're not going to stop with these four. Uh, we hope to develop enough relationships with the black community and the radio stations that uh, they will pick up the things that we do. We do a health tip of the day. We do a weekly news uh, health tip. And generally, um, those will sit on our website. But we're going to continue this campaign because you, as an experienced communicator, know that you can sit there and talk to 250,000, 300,000 African Americans. And you can sit there all day long. And I like music. I like I just saw... And this is an old Teddy Pendergrass tape on Soul Train. As the, I mean, I like music, but if you look around in the to the African American community, there are almost no information on any aspect of health that going out to our communities. And if the if people are listening to the same stations generally every day, there's no help going out there. There's no messages. There's no nobody telling you what's happening with the latest information in health. And you wake up one morning and find out you were at risk with this or that. We, we, we've always tried to change that. We have a very, we have a very small window and a very small, uh, sphere of influence. But we are, uh, we, we hope that other people will appreciate the need to integrate health into all information sources going out to the African American community. Black lives matter. Black health matters just as much. All right. Dr. Michael Lenore, again, folks, aawellnessproject.org. Um, 
We've got to take better care of our health. I mean, and one of the things, though, Doctor, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge, though, that even in all of this, we're talking about people who have access to health health care. There's still a lot of our people who don't have access, and we're still fighting um, a, a political party, one at least one political party, um, that is still trying to prevent access to health care. So that's so it, it that's the challenge. On the one hand, it's bad enough that people procrastinate. Um, and are afraid to go. And a lot of us men, especially, we don't want to get into it. We don't even want to deal with it or find out the truth. And compound that with the fact that there's no access or no health care. So you've got that double excuse. Um, and that's no good either. No, I, no, I, I agree with that 100%. And we have to take some responsibility for our own actions. That's one thing. I think too often people are afraid to talk to us. So, well, hey, I don't think I did that. You know, don't have houses. They don't have this. They don't have that. And they don't. They don't uh, insist that we uh, use our own resources and take charge of our own health. Uh, and so that's one of the messages that we give to all people, and certainly to black people: take charge, take charge, take charge. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Michael Lenore, pleasure to meet you, brother. Thank you for this work you're doing, folks. AA wellnessproject.org. This will not be the last we'll hear from Dr. Noor. We're going to keep him as, around as one of our expert guests when it comes to these matters. And of course, there's a lot more to discuss as these days and weeks will go by when it comes to um, uh, this COVID vaccine, the flu vaccine. Um, I, I, went, I took my flu shot. I don't do it every single year. I've been doing a little bit better, but I took it without even considering what Dr. Noor just said. So I'm glad I took it now so that there'll be no confusion about what's going on. And um, I keep saying we got to go. But one of the things, there are some people who take the flu shot, Dr. Moore, and get sick anyway, Um, like right after they get the shot. What do you what do you think about that? And what do you have to say about that? Well, there are a few people who do have reactions to components that the shot is given in. Uh, A lot of those reports have been exaggerated by the anti-flu people. Uh, But I think that and the other part of that problem is that a flu vaccine, unlike the corona vaccine, it misses a lot of flus. I mean, usually flus come in alphabetical order, use A or B. And we have mixes of those based upon what happened in other climates where the flu hits before it hits us. For instance, South America, I think, uh, they get summer before we get, I mean, they get winter before we get it. So they get a flu season. And so they make up the flu vaccine based on what they postulate. Sometimes it will miss the uh, the uh, majority of people because it doesn't have enough of a certain type of flu in it. But very few people have made reactions to the shot itself. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, folks. Um, and you can, of course, find out even more information. You don't have to wait to hear the PSA. Go to aawellnessproject.org and read some of what they have there. Dr. Noah, we appreciate work and your your dedication to our people and trying to keep us informed and healthy and you're right uh, there's not enough information not enough information available for many of us so we appreciate you doctor thank you and i that you and your your wife continue to be healthy and safe especially in this holiday season all right i'm honored and available all right thank you man all right thank you thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating.
And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.